It's May 15th, 2019, and this is episode number seven of It Started in Hendricksville, Stories by Jerry Abram. Good evening, good afternoon. Dad, how are you today? Doing all right. Great. Well, it has been, I think, maybe three weeks since we've chatted. I think so. so uh, yeah. I had to go on a little vacation, and then I'm going to go on another vacation. So it'll be another three weeks before we get to chat again. Um, but last time we wrapped up all about your work and um, Abram Brothers and Abram Grading and Seeding and all that stuff. Um, this week I want to switch gears and go back to being a young boy and talk a little bit about hunting. Um, so I think just to get it started, um, tell us a little bit, was your dad a hunter? How, how was hunting in your family growing up? Because in our family, you know, you and me and Nat and Joe, hunting was a big deal to us. And mm -hmm. so what was that like when you were a little boy? It was a very big deal with us because for two reasons. Uh, there was not a lot of entertainment, no television sets and things like that. So. Dad always was a very avid hunter, and he was very good at it, and most of the time growing up, we had wild meat is what we had for our meat on our table. Okay, so let me just ask, so, so you talked a little bit about, earlier about you, you raised pigs and you had pork and that kind of stuff, but so in addition to that, then you had a, a fairly constant stream of wild animals. Yeah, some sort. well, in the winter we had rabbit and uh, quail. Okay. And then uh, in the fall, before the rabbit season opened in the cold weather, we had squirrel. Okay. Uh, we squirrel hunted, and uh, we always lived where there was woods around us, and uh, it was one of the primary meats that we had because we didn't have our we didn't kill the hogs and have our pork until winter time because okay. there was no way to keep the meat and to keep, get it cooled back then and. Uh, now, in terms of, you said there were quail that you hunted. Was there a lot of quail? Because we always struggled finding quail when I was young. Well, at that time, yeah. But back when I was young, yes, there was a lot of quail. Really? Oh, yeah. interesting. It was not unusual to go on a rabbit hunt and maybe for four or five hours and jump maybe two, maybe three coveys of quail. Okay, so so that there were a yeah. lot more quail, because like I said, you just don't see many quail these days. Mm -hmm. But now, what about grouse? Did you have grouse? Not when I was a kid. Okay. The first grouse we had was when I bought this farm here. Okay. And uh, we had some grouse here and, and got some of them. We killed some. Yeah, we You guys that. helped, you yeah. know. Yeah, so that was in like the 1970s that you were getting grouse. And that it wasn't, well, right in that same time frame when you started seeing deer. So I'm assuming when you were a young boy, you didn't have deer either. No. Uh, before I was married, even when I plumbed back when I was a teenager, if anybody had seen a deer track in the woods, just a track, they talked about that for days on end because, and occasionally somebody would say they'd seen a deer. Wasn't very many people believed them, but they would, <laughs> they would tell you that they had seen one. And I, it was, I was way up in my life before I ever seen a deer a wild one here in Indiana. So yeah, so what about, now when I was a young boy, we, like for example, when we bought this farm and moved here, we, we would see deer tracks, but we didn't see the deer yeah, very often. Mm -hmm. And I still remember the first time I saw a deer and I was 
Uh, I must have been eight or nine years old. Yeah. And uh, we saw it up here on the road. I, mean, I still remember it clear as can be seeing four deer walk across the road in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could go to Brown County when I was a little boy and there'd be a lot of deer. Well, so, in the park, yeah. Right, like in the park. Now, when you were young, would there have been deer even in Brown County? I think there was some in the park over there, but not nearly what they was when okay. you seen them. You know, if you were in there and just seen one deer, you thought it was great, you know. So, uh, and so wild turkeys, th- th- that's zero, a fairly yeah. recent thing. Yes. Um, you know, that's what, even maybe the 1990s before you started really having many turkeys around here. Yeah. Um, and then, um, kind of oddball thing, you guys did a little bit of frog gigging though, didn't you, when you were? Oh, when I was a young child at home, yeah, uh, through grade school and up through there, every spring, that was a big thing. We had, uh, several farmers had ponds, and all of those ponds had big bullfrogs in them, and every year we would take one night and usually two or three of us would go with flashlights and a little 22 pistol. And uh, we'd go get uh, maybe sometimes up to 30 frogs. And then dad would bring them home and clean them and, and get the frog legs all cleaned up and ready. And then we'd have a big frog leg fry. Oh, really? And it was very, very good meat. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Would you have people over? I mean, was it like, or, uh, or mainly just for your family? It was mainly for the family. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, so that was growing up and the types of animals you had. So let's switch and talk a little bit about the guns. I know your dad had, was it the 16 gauge or the 12 gauge that was? He had the 12 gauge. He had it, and was that, that was a Browning or a Remington? It was Remington, but it was made off of the Browning patent. Right. It looked just like a Browning. So that was a pretty nice gun. It was oh, a yeah. semi-automatic gun. Which back, So how did he end up coming across getting a hold of a gun like that? Well, uh, of course, in, during the war, you couldn't buy a gun anywhere. Okay. But one guy that he... And you're talking World War Two. Yes. Right. Uh, Dad sold auto parts through World War Two. Mm-hmm. And traveled and sold auto parts on the road for the Pulapap Automotive Company mm-hmm. in Bloomington. One of his customers had come across this gun. Some guy uh, had, uh, I'm not sure if he actually passed away or something had went wrong and he couldn't hunt anymore and was needing the money for this gun. So this guy, he couldn't buy it, but he told Dad about it. And Dad went and looked at it, and he bought it. Okay. And, uh, probably. So had you, rem- you rem- were you old enough to remember him buying that gun? Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So well, so let's go back before that. What he what he used before he had that gun? Do you remember? Oh, I think he had uh, maybe an Ithaca pump. Okay. Possibly. All right. But uh, this was really, I mean, it was top of this the line. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that still is a nice gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It had two barrels with it. You could change. From one barrel to the other for he used the open bore barrel for quail and rabbit and then the full choke he would use to squirrel hunt with to reach out farther okay so uh, yeah. so what other guns did your dad own he had uh, a 22 pistol yeah made by Stevens and it was a little breakdown yeah. single shot <laughs> I know that guy with a 12 inch barrel on it yeah real long barrel uh-huh. yeah. And uh, Dad was really good with that. He could, he could shoot with that pistol with people with rifles. Yeah. And stay right up with them. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Of course, no scope or anything. I mean, you're just talking no, about open no, sights open and things sights. like that. Yeah. So. 
So while you're back in the room, by the way, how are you today? Are you okay today? Good. You want to say hi? (laughs) (laughs) Got a laugh out of you, so there we go. All right, so he had his pistol, and that's the pistol. Do you still have that pistol? No, I've got one that's just like it, except it's a nine-inch barrel. Oh, okay, so the one... Well, before we found out what was happening, Dad... In his later years, somebody offered him like four times as much for it as what he gave for it. Yeah. He sold it and it was gone before I even knew it was happening. Oh, that's too bad. So he lost it, yeah. So he had the the, the 12-gauge semi-automatic and the pistol and maybe an old Ithaca pump or something like that. I think so. And then we always had a twenty-two rifle. Oh, really? Okay. Different time. Well, we had uh, mainly Marlin. Rifles, lever action Marlins. Okay. And Dad had a one Winchester pump. Oh, okay. And I don't really know where they went or what happened okay. to them through the years. But. All right, so we'll come back to you. That was his guns. So I always, somehow in my mind, you've got a 410 breakdown gun that I thought maybe had come from your dad, but it hadn't. That was your gun from later No, on. that was my gun from the word go. That was okay. bought for me. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and you still have that gun, don't you? Randy's got it. Okay. It was turned over to Randy in later years, and I got a 16-gauge and a 20-gauge shotgun And okay. when I got a little bigger and then let Randy have the 410. Okay. Now, I used a 410 when I hunted when I was young. Is that the same one you're talking about mm-hmm. that Randy now has? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't realize that that's where that was at. So, okay. Um so yeah, let's just keep going on the guns while we're talking about it. So what other guns through the years did you pick up? I know you've got several guns up there. Well, um, well, let's talk about the three shotguns. So you've got three guns that are all that same Browning design, don't you? Yeah, okay. Uh, I got a chance to trade one of my old guns I had, and I don't remember what it was. But I made a trade for a... Uh, I think the first one was uh, a 16-gauge Browning, Mm -hmm. five shot. And so that was just like the one your dad had, but it was an actual Browning. But it was a Browning. The Uh difference between those is uh, the Browning had a a special part on them that you could uh, break over forward Mm -hmm. and then take one shell out of the barrel and leave the other four in the magazine. But Remington didn't have that. Okay. That was one of the things that Browning wouldn't let them put that on there. Okay, that yeah. made, kept them unique. Yeah. Yep. And uh, then uh, later on, well, I hunted with a bow for a while. Uh-huh. And then later on, I, I got tired of bow hunting. It was just taking so much time back then with no more deer than there were. And uh, so I traded that bow for uh, that thirty thirty Winchester 94. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, of now course, yeah, how, I know that guy. That's yeah. how I come out with that. And, uh, and on beyond that, I'm trying to think what else I had up until. So you've got, somewhere you got your 20 gauge. Okay, yeah, that was, uh, my brother-in-law owned a hardware store in Ellettsville. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was wanting a 20 gauge to hunt quail with. Okay. And there's a lot of quail. He had this. And, gun. and so, just to clarify, there'll be a few people listening to this that might not know what we're talking about. Gauge, as the number gets smaller, the, the shell is bigger. So, a 12 gauge is a real heavy duty, you know, powerful gun, and a 20 gauge is a much lighter 
yes. lighter gun mm-hmm. that, that you could hunt smaller animal mm-hmm. with, maybe. So, but uh, I found out that there was a Browning twenty gauge, and it was the special. They called it uh, Golden something. Had a gold trigger mm-hmm. and had a lot of engraving on it, and it was a beautiful gun. My brother-in-law had had that in his hardware store for so long and nobody bought it. And in the showcase, where he had it and kept it in the showcase, it had been there and there long enough that the wood was one color on one side and you turned over it was another color on the other side. <laughs> and it still is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I forgot is. all about that, but I remember that. But now. anyhow, I went over there and uh, Ted made me a special price on it because it was his, bro- I was his brother-in-law. And I bought that, and I come back home, and I told Marie, I said, Marie, they've got a gun over at Ellettsville I'd sure like to have. <laughs> and she said, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's a 20-gauge Browning. And she stepped and looked at me a minute and said, bring it on in the house. I want to see it. She knew I'd already bought it. <laughs> she knew you'd already bought it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And I've still got that, too. It's, yeah. I don't know it's worth a lot of money now. but Yeah, oh yeah, that's a nice. Yeah. Now then, um, somewhere along the line, you acquired your high-powered rifle. So what okay, was the story well, behind that? Uh, through the years, Marie, of course, been a beautician for 50 years, done uh, Fid Smaltz's hair. Fid was the wife of Jim Smaltz that owned the Smaltz department store. Okay. So through that, we knew them. I was wanting to go out west to hunt antelope and mule deer. Okay. Okay, so I was able at that time to purchase a Model 70 Winchester bolt-action rifle. Okay. And Smaltz had them, or at least could get them for me. And this is the kind of gun you can shoot 100 yards or something like that, a long ways, very oh, accurately. It's real accurate, up to 300 yards. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you put a scope on it and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's a Jim put a scope gun. on it for me and everything, and then he took me out to their hunting range, small set of range out there where they shoot. Mm-hmm. We went out there, and he helped me learn how to shoot and how to hold it to make it as uh, accurate as possible. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he knew we was wanting to go out west to hunt, so he said, if you would like, I will call Johnny Line." L-Y-N-D, and said, that is my guide in Gillette, Wyoming, and said, I'll set it up for you if you want to go there, and he'll guide you and get you a a mule deer and an antelope. So he set that up, and uh, we went out there after I'd learned how to shoot my new rifle, Mm -hmm. and uh, Lloyd Graham went with us. Lloyd was, uh, he was a friend, a very true friend, and uh, his wife, June, had went to school with and worked with Marie in the beauty shop. Okay. So, Lloyd and Randy and I went. And, oh, I uh, didn't know that Randy went with you on that trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. But uh, we did have good luck. Uh, I got an antelope and a deer, and uh, Lloyd got, uh, I believe he got an antelope only. And Randy, well, I, I'm having a hard time with remembering what Randy got, but we'll have to ask But he got him. something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure that's Good right. Then, so. So, huh, well, that's neat. Huh, okay, well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so, 
that was that was that gun. And then I know over the years, I, I we also I and I remember this real well. We we got into hunting squirrels with rifles instead of shotguns. Sure. And you were I think it was a birthday gift or something. Somehow we got you a. Um, the twenty-two, your lever action. So, mm-hmm. what what was that gun? I don't remember the that name. That is a tw- uh, what they call it a twenty-two ninety-four. So it's identical to the thirty-thirty-ninety-four style, but it's a twenty-two caliber. Okay. And very very it's nice. It's a what rifle. brand is it? Is it a Browning or? No, it's Winchester. Winchester, Winchester. Yeah. I was getting confused there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's and I know that gun is a nice gun as well. So, mm-hmm. um, have we missed any guns? Can you think of any? Well, then uh, when I got to pheasant hunting in Nebraska, uh, started all that in the late '60s, I guess. Okay. First time I went out there, and I hunted with Dad's gun sometimes, and I also hunted with my 16 gauge uh, Browning. And they was, uh, the big thing at that time was over and under shotguns. And I had always wanted a Browning Saitori 12 gauge yeah. over and under. And uh-huh. that's what I bought and still have it. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, again, that was, I was, I was older when you got, I forgot oh, yeah. all about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really nice. It is really, really nice a nice gun. gun. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the last time we went to Nebraska, that's what you hunted with. Mm-hmm. And I forgot. Yeah. Oh, I forgot we had that. So, mm-hmm. huh? Okay. Anything else you remember on the gun front? Mm-hmm. I know muzzle loaders. You've you had a well. Yeah, few I had a, muzzle loaders I over had, the year. Well, I put a kit together of a forty-five caliber muzzle loader, and uh, I did finally kill one deer with that. <laughs> it just happened to be because Joe was going hunting with us that day, and I gave him my fifty caliber Hawkins. Yeah because uh, I had already killed a deer up in uh, uh, Michigan. Uh-huh. And uh, so I said, well, you know, if I get one, okay, or if I get a shot, okay. Well, so lo and behold, one came right to me, and I killed it with that forty-five caliber. Well, and, and do you remember gun. something? The gun didn't work right either. No, the, it never did work right. <laughs> <laughs> because I think you pulled the hammer back and let it go with your thumb or something. So there was a strange story with that because yeah, it, it, it wasn't it working was, right. I can't remember uh, exactly how that all but went. Anyways, but anyway, yeah. we got the job done. And then I bought that, uh, of course, I'd already bought that uh, 50 caliber hawk and Marie bought it for me for Christmas one year uh-huh. from her brother Rex. That's oh, where that's that came right. from. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we found out the barrel had gotten rusty and so we ended up buying a round ball barrel. Yeah, for it. We, the barrel was ruined in it and so we, I ordered it back out of uh, the uh, same company where it was made. And yeah. got me a different barrel, four inches longer and it was for a round ball. Yeah. And, uh, Set in the inside of it, the bore in the bore and stuff was a little bit different yeah. for round ball, but uh, very accurate. And I have up to now have killed several deer with that. Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. you've killed a lot of deer with that. And of course, yeah. you know, deer, deer are a little more plentiful these days than they were back in those Absolutely, days. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about hunting trips. So. One of my favorite stories growing up is to hear you talk about going bear hunting with Bobby Helms. And uh, I think that's right, but I'm just going to stop at that and just let, let you tell us how did that trip happen and okay. who was there and what, what was it that happened on that trip? Cecil Abram, which is a full cousin of mine, 
lived straight across the road from us in the first house I built. I sold it to Cecil. Okay. Then I built one later on the other side of the road that I lived in for several years while your boy was being born. Yeah, they're, they're on Woodyard Road. Yeah, and uh, of course Bobby was uh, Cecil's nephew. Okay. And Bobby made, he was second cousin to me. I was full cousin to Bobby's mother. And uh, Now so was this before he became famous with the song Jingle Bell Rock? No, this was after. This was after that, okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, uh, Cecil wanted to go up to Iron Mountain, Michigan, and he wanted to go up there to deer hunt. So Bobby found out about it, he wanted to go, so Bobby's drummer, then his band, he wanted to go. So they took one vehicle, and Cecil and me and Danny and I forget who else went in another vehicle. The very first time we went into this big state property where we was hunting, the very first time we went in there, before we got into where we really was trying to get to the deer hunt, we, uh, walking in this road, we was probably a quarter of a mile from where we had parked our truck. And uh, just all of a sudden, this young bear runs across the trail in front of us, and that crazy cousin of mine, Danny, shot it with a bow and arrow and hit it. And that thing made the awful screaming noise you ever seen. And when it did, there was a bear in the edge of the road right where it started to cross that stood up. And it looked to me like it was 12 feet tall. It was the mother it had to be of that. I mean, it was one huge bear. All I could hear was people running behind me. So I turned around and took off too because I didn't know what she was going to do. See, after we'd shot that little one, it was screaming. So I, uh, I thought I was pretty fast and I got up fairly close to Bobby, and it just looked like he had a passing gear. I mean, he went, he thought I was the bear, and <laughs> he, <laughs> he was almost flying, and when we got this uh, drummer of his had set up there, he said, I don't care what we do on this trip, I just don't want to see any bears. <laughs> when we got back there, he was with us when this all happened, and we got back to the truck, he was sitting up in the back of the truck up on the side of the bed smoking a cigarette and it was almost all the way burnt down already. <laughs> so that's how far ahead he was. But uh, it was it was quite an ordeal. Yeah. And, and it was scary. I mean, oh, I, I bet, yeah. That, yeah. Did you guys end up doing, did you, did you go back and hunt then afterwards or what did you end up well, doing on the trip? Uh, yeah, we decided to go ahead and hunt. We didn't have a bear license. Oh. So Danny and I said, well, we'll take the truck and we'll go back in town and buy a license, okay. which we did. On the way back from buying the license, we parked again and we didn't get 200 yards from the truck. And this big bear walked right out in the trail again. Now I don't think it was the same one because it had a little one with it. Danny shot it and killed it. <laughs> so then we had to go back to town and get another license. <laughs> but oh, that's it was, funny. That but was it funny. was that was some trip. It really was. We did come home with two bears and never got a deer. Now the, the the bear he shot first, the little one. Did you ever find that bear? Oh yeah, yeah. We brought it home. Okay, so that when you say the two, those two. Yeah, that's that, the that two little bears. one and that big one he <laughs> shot. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, now let's, um, I want to, we've got just a few minutes left here. I want to hear about Nebraska. So how did, how did Nebraska ever get started? You know, we, we hunted a lot in Ord, Nebraska. I think that wasn't where you started, but back me all the way back up. How did you make a connection to Nebraska or the, or the Midwest, I guess, West, Midwest, well, you call that um, area, and pheasant hunting, and how did, what's the history there? I had always wanted to go pheasant hunting, but uh, everybody told me, said, don't, start out here where there's not very many pheasants go out west and get used to it and then if you want to hunt some here okay but uh bill hedderscheidt was married to marie's cousin janet okay paul's daughter and uh, bill wanted to go out west so the first trip out there bill and i went by ourselves and uh, bill took his uh, bird dog with him which was a quail dog mm -hmm. okay. and did not work good for pheasants. <laughs> Didn't work out, okay. And But anyway, that was not a good situation. But then uh, we went back again. Uh, I forget who went that time, but Bill went with us again and we took more guys and done better and got more birds. And wh which state were you in? We was in South Dakota at that time. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Then, uh, when the and did bird, you have a place to go to, or did you just drive out there and? Well, we just went out there and talked to some people. You could go in those restaurants, and it was full of farmers, you know. Uh -huh. So you just go talk to a farmer and tell them what where you was from, and you know where you're from, who you were, and what you was doing. And one of them would say, "Well, we've got some out there. Come on out, you know. Good people. Didn't have to lock your truck. You would never have anything stolen out of your truck or mm. anything That's when nice, you was hunting." Yeah. And uh, just good people. As long as you've done them right, they've done you more than right. But if you ever done one of them wrong, in an area 50 mile in every direction, <laughs> every farmer knew it. Get out of town. <laughs> you couldn't even get out of your truck. But uh, anyway, uh, we had a lot of good times hunting there. And then when that became harder to find a place to hunt and the birds were, the population was down, one of the guys we hunted with up there, one of the farmers, said, there is more birds right now in Nebraska than what we've got here. And I said, well, do you know anybody down there that might let us hunt? So he said, well, I'm going to make a phone call and I'll hook you up with somebody down there that's got a lot of land and see if it's okay. So he come back a little bit and he said, We're, we got you in down there. And he said, uh, there's a nice motel in Ord if you want to stay there and said uh, we're going to send you to a farmer named Jack Cole. So so they, that that connection with Jack that was that? Down there and Marley was a small child at that time. Okay. But uh, we went down to Jack's and he let us hunt on his properties and we got a lot of birds and from then on Marley started going with us and uh, so we continued to hunt until we finally got too old to hunt anymore. <laughs> and uh, Marley is still there and living, and Marie and I went out and visited with Marley and his wife um, two years ago, I guess it was. And uh, we went to Jack and Mary Lou's 50th wedding anniversary. And then uh, four years ago, I believe it was, Jack passed away. Okay. But Mary Lou's still living. Marley and his wife and their kids are all out and about. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's yeah, how I mean, it all I'm guessing up. you hunted there for 20, 30 years? Uh, close to 30 years. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Something mm -hmm. like that. 
And then and even the friendship went far enough that I, I know at least once Morley came here. Oh, yeah. Visited, maybe yeah. multiple times. I don't yeah, know. He, he in fact, I, do, I, I can remember two visits now. And Jack and Mary Lou came here and spent the night with too. us two or three times. I took Jack up to the 500 to be right at this time of year when they was practicing. And he just thought he died and went to heaven. He actually got to walk in at the 500 trip. Yeah. He said, they hear about that. That's all they hear about. Yeah, from May, out, even out there. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, let's see, who was his favorite guy? The big old boy that won several races and had that Novi, that first four-wheel drive. Uh, oh, big, 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 heavy yeah. guy, stout guy. But anyway... That was Jack's idol. Okay. When we got to the track, we walked back there toward the uh, uh, gasoline alley where uh -huh. they work on the car. A.J. Foyt. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. A.J. Foyt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he walked right across in front of us, close as you are. Oh, I bet Jack <laughs> And out. Jack went, was that him? I said, yeah, it sure was. <laughs> oh, that's pretty neat. So. But anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, All right. So Jack and Mary Lou become real close friends through a lot of years. Well, Dad, I think we've covered everything on my list, so uh, we're right at 30 minutes, so we'll call it a week, and uh, we'll make a list of a few more things to talk about. One of the next items we're going to talk about is cars. There's a whole whole history on cars. Looking forward to hearing about that, so that, that'll, that'll be covered in about maybe three or four weeks from now. So Okay. Thanks a lot, and have a good week. Okay. You too. We'll see you later.